climbers, if you feel the urge to add pursuits to your music career, things that you think you're supposed to be doing, you're not alone. It's something called additive cognitive bias. When faced with a problem, people would rather add stuff to try and solve a problem instead of removing stuff. But sometimes adding something doesn't solve the problem. and only makes it more confusing. So today we're going to dive into this human reality and see if we can help your career by eliminating stuff. Welcome to the climb! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. That's what you're going to need. It's all about you and your business and then your talent, not talent first. Uh, Even if they say yes, you don't want that record deal. Trust me, if you don't have all those other things in line. It's going to be a curse, not a blessing. That's why we called it The Climb, Creating Leverage in the Music Business, C-L-I-M-B. See what we did there? See what we did? You picking up what we're putting down? Are you sliding in uh, what what you stepped in there? (laughs) That is an an amazing Baxter name from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's an award-winning hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got a couple number ones in Southern Gospel last year. And he likes to help songwriters like you turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he will connect you with the pros. And you can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production singular. No S, and there is no S because there is no other Johnny D. What's up? I have have mixed feelings about the whole there is no other Johnny D thing, to be honest. You do. I have mixed feelings. On one hand, I'm like, thank goodness. And then on the other hand, I'm like, nah, I could use a few more in my life. I could keep them busy. Uh, I love that. So I think I think that's I I know I could use a few more me's. That sounds totally (laughs) selfish. Never mind. (laughs) So good to see you, brother. Uh, Good to see you too, man. How's uh, how's things, man? The family is is doing well. There, uh, everyone's feeling better. We we're, you know, people are down sick for a little bit. Everyone's good. Kids are back in school. They were out for snow and winter weather for a little bit. So, man, today is like the first day back. At least the time of this recording, feeling like oh, a regular kind of day. Got to drop nice. them off. Get hop on the treadmill a little bit. Come out here, do some work, have some fun. You're gonna go pick them up later. So it's we're doing well. How's Nashville? Nice. It's uh, good. It's actually uh, warmer today. It's been kind of like disgusting for uh, like all week, essentially. But uh, mm-hmm. we seem to be coming back out of that into the 40s and 50s, which is nice. Nice. Oh, we and, uh, we went to uh, we went to like an art con this past weekend. So I took the mm-hmm. the boys and Ruby Jean to art con. So it's like comic book kind of convention and. So there was like cosplay contest. We went a couple of years ago before COVID. So this is the first one back. And they just had a blast dressing up like characters and stuff. So like they had homemade costumes this year. I got dressed up too this year to go. So we were all walking around looking like the cast of Shang-Chi, uh, which is funny because uh, when we figured that out, I was like, Ren, you need to be Shang-Chi. 
like from the Marvel movie because he's a Chinese uh-huh. superhero. I'm like, dude, you got the look. And then Quill, you know, <laughs> my other Chinese kid was uh, the Mandarin or Wenwu. I'm like, you guys are uh, that's great. And then Ozzy end up, uh, if y'all know the movie, end up dressed up as Death Dealer, which is the guy that's a uh, martial artist. He's one of the bad guys, like covered from head to toe. You don't see anything about his eyes. I'm like, so they won't really know you're not Chinese. And then I went as Razor Fist, who was basically a, a big Norwegian dude with a, you know, a sword for a hand. And he's a big white dude. And I'm like, compared to all my kids, I'm big white dude. So it worked out <laughs> so well. It was great. Uh, so it was fun and we got to walk around and, you know, get pictures of maybe like Boba Fett and Ghostbusters and stuff. So it was, it was a lot of fun just getting to play, you know, nice, 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 nice. I, uh, I worked all weekend. I, you know, just creating content for this course and, um, yeah, had like a series of unfortunate tech uh, issues, but um, I'm okay now. It's all where there is tech, there will be tech issues. It seems oh my like. god! And it's all it was all operator error. I'm a tool. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's frustrating though, because you figure it out after like an hour long piece of you know, module yeah. that you're doing. Like you're in your whole thing and you're in your groove. You deliver that performance, and then you're like, oh, it was like clicked on the wrong mic. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? Oh. <laughs> Or, or the first time where it was just like I had a, the camera on like 4K and mm-hmm. which is unnecessary for this, you know. And uh, so I got like a you know a 50 gig file. Oh gosh, like crushing my computer hard drive, you know. Yeah. And I was just like, oh no. And uh, uh, it's just there's a lot, a lot going on. Yeah. Well, but we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay, good so deal. let's get into this here. Yeah, um, man. First of all, I'm going to tell you that um, just to kind of set the tone here before we take care of some business real quick. So for generations, and you and I were talking about this right before we pressed record, but for generations, the standard way to learn how to ride a bicycle as a kid was to add stabilizers, right? Or or to start with a tricycle. You yeah. Know? Or training uh, wheels. Or, yeah. Yeah, but in recent years, many parents have opted to train their kids with what they call balance bikes, which are these, you know, these are bikes for two and three-year-old kids, right? Like tiny little kids um, that look just like a normal bicycle. It's got handlebars, got a seat, it's got two cool like knobby tires, looks like a BMX bike or whatever, but there are no pedals. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, enables the child to develop the coordination needed for bicycling. And it's a skill that's not as easily acquired when you have that extra set of wheels, when you have the training wheels. So as I thought this was interesting when I saw it in digital music news, and then it led to an article in Scientific America about how we, you know, we tend to limit our creativity and our, sometimes our success by continually adding new features to a problem or new things to our lives uh, to to our problem solving designs here as opposed to removing them and we mm-hmm. default to addition and not subtraction yeah and so i just want to talk about a bunch of different sort of situations where subtraction is the answer and and uh maybe get everybody's head thinking about that you know i'm all about this i'm i'm already psyched for this conversation well, nice. So before we do that, let's take care of a little business here. Join the Climb community on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Climb community. And this is indie artists, singers, songwriters, indie musicians uh, like you that are 
hanging out in this group, man, and, and providing each other support, help, love, questions, answers. We're getting, you know, we're putting information in there as uh, if I see something through my daily travels here that I think is going to be beneficial to the group, I'm going to go at it. We've got people getting hooked up for co-writes. We've got people getting marketing problems solved. It's it's really cool and it's pretty active, man. So we want you to be in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you got we got to you got to ask to be let in. We let everybody in, and we want to hear about your song. We want to hear about your gig. We want to hear about your wins. We want to hear about all this stuff. You just got to put it in the right place, and mm-hmm. it's not that tricky to figure out where to do it as long as you have an open heart and an open mind and you're like i would like to be in this group to be in this group rather than i would like to be in this group so that i can tell everybody about my stuff <laughs> that's right that's right we so don't speak of family jam right that's right do we have wins do we have some yes we do so uh every wednesday and actually i've, I've skipped the last one or two because i've been bad uh so uh, but every Wednesday, ideally, we post the New Heights segment, which is your chance to share your music-related wins for the week. And, you know, it's the climb, New Heights. When you reach a new height, whatever that is for you, we want to hear about it so we can celebrate with you. So big and small, we love them all. So here are a couple of recent ones. Uh, Bill O'Hanlon says, uh, I got a song signed to a sync agency today, and they wanted to pitch it today for a movie trailer brief. So... Uh, congrats nice. and let us know how that goes, Bill. So Bill's out there, you know, writing thousands of songs per day and, and pitching songs and uh, really all is. kinds of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. And so that's going on with Bill. And also we have climber Cash Memphis, who is a hip hospital artist. So <laughs> I haven't ever heard that before. That's yeah, cool. It's, that. it's, it's, yeah. it's some good stuff, man. Uh, so Cash is. Yep. And he didn't post this, but I saw it on Facebook. So I'm sharing anyway. Um, he said he's uh, looks like he's starting. He we're recording the pilot episode of his new podcast, Cash Flow. You'll have to check out the video and tell me if you like it. So, uh, so Cash is starting a a new venture podcast. So that should be his rapper name, not for nothing. Instead of Cash Memphis, Cash hey, Flow. Cash Flow. Yeah, with Cash a K. Flow. Yeah. Oh, it's with a K. Cash Memphis with a K. So, yeah, but I'm saying Cash Flow with a K, right? It is a good, yeah. Because the flow is about your, your rap, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, I know. I know the thing. It's like so good. I didn't know if you knew that. I mean, I just want I, you to know how no. hip I am in the, in the hip-hop community. That's, you know, I, 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 I remember <laughs> Walk This Way, Run DMC and Aerosmith. <laughs> That's right. So, anyway, so congrats and good luck. Uh, Bill and Cash and everybody else is having wins. We want to hear about them. So, post it up in the Climb community under the New Heights post and we want to celebrate with you there you go all right and um make sure that you subscribe or follow the podcast depending on what platform you're on leave a rating and review on itunes and finally tell a friend about it if you're hanging out this long you're getting value out of it somehow and we want to spread that around so mm-hmm. let somebody else know because if we tell them that we're cool it's 50 percent true if you tell them that we're cool it's 100 percent true right that's right that's right all right so what we're going to get into today is is so – I just I, – I kept vomiting out um, like example after example after example because it, it, it's so integral to your life, to your career, to your song, to your mix, to your relationship, to society, to – uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's about the simplicity, right? The, mm-hmm. the art of the simplicity. But 
Um, I mean, who would have thought to, what if we take away the pedals on the bike? <laughs> right. Right. And, and in training wheels. Yeah. Is that adding training wheels? Let's take something away. Right. Mm -hmm. Another example, I remember um, there was this movie called Working Girl back in the day with uh, Harrison Ford and um, I can't remember the girl that was in it. Um, yeah. Who the lead was. But um, there's this moment where this like billionaire guy is 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 talking and he's, he's talking about this uh, huge box truck. Right. That gets stuck under a bridge in New York City. Mm -hmm. And uh, this the huge kerfuffle blocking traffic for hours. I mean, traffic is just backed up. It's a big mess. And all the city engineers are down there. The cops are there. The firemen are there and they're all standing around trying to figure out what they can do to, you know, what they can add essentially to try to raise the bridge just a just a, an eighth of an inch yeah. so that they can get the truck unstuck and back it out. Or what can they do to like move the truck sideways just enough to get to the part of the middle of the bridge where there's a little more clearance and all these people down there thinking and thinking of what can we add? What can we add? What can we add? What can we add? And there's some girl from the back of the, you know, stuck in a car, in the traffic jam yells out, let the air out of the tires. <laughs> right. Oh. Right. And they're all like, Oh, like she's not an engineer. <laughs> yeah. They and, even needed like an inch or so or two to get under and let the air out of the tire. Yeah. yeah. And bingo problem solved. So I was reading this article in um, digital music news, which led to this scientific American article that I I'm going to read to everybody. Cause I think it's, it's really short. It's really quick, really easy, but it's really good. And the title is, Our Brain Typically Overlooks This Brilliant Problem-Solving Strategy. People often limit their creativity by continually adding new features to a design rather than removing existing ones. Um, it, uh, so it talks about the balance bikes there. You know, for generations, the standard way to learn how to ride a bicycle is with training wheels or a tricycle. But in recent years, many parents have opted to train their kids with balance bikes, which are pedalless two-wheelers that enable children to develop the coordination needed for bicycling, a skill that is not as easily acquired if you have an extra set of wheels. And given the benefits of balance bikes, why did it take so long for them to replace training wheels? And there are plenty of other examples which, in which overlooked solutions that involve subtraction turn out to be better alternatives. In some European cities, for example, urban planners have gotten rid of traffic lights and road signs to make streets safer, an idea that runs counter-conventional to traffic designs, right? Mm -hmm. or, or runs counter to conventional traffic design, excuse me. Uh, Lighty Klotz, an engineer at the University of Virginia, noticed that minimalist designs in which elements are removed from an existing model were uncommon. So she reached out to Gabrielle Adams, a social psychologist at the university, to try to figure out why this was the case. And the two researchers hypothesized that there might be a psychological explanation. When faced with a problem, people tend to select solutions that involve adding new elements rather than taking existing components away. Adams and Klotz and their colleagues set out to, to test if their hunch was correct. They said we wanted to investigate whether and what to and to what extent people actually overlooked subtraction when they're tasked with changing things. Adams says uh, their investigation 
wasn't literature driven because there are no academic literature in this phenomenon. It was really just us putting our heads together to think up why this might be the case, why humans react this way. And the researchers first carry out a set of observational studies, assessments without a control group to see whether this bias existed at all. In one, they asked 91 participants to make a pattern symmetrical by either adding or removing colored boxes, right? So you're looking at a grid of boxes, you know, and only 18 people, only 20% use subtraction to make it symmetrical. In another situation, the team scanned an archive of ideas for improvement submitted to an incoming university, uh, incoming university presidents and found that only 11% of 651 proposals involved a eliminating an existing re regulation, practice, or program. Everybody wants to add regulations and practices and programs. Similar results emerged across tasks that involved modifying structures, essays, and itineraries. In each case, the vast majority of people chose to augment rather than to remove. To determine why people tended to choose additive solutions, the team dug deeper by conducting a series of eight experiments with more than 1,500 individuals recruited from either university campus or through Amazon Mechanical Turk, which is a crowdsourcing website. In one experiment, and this is fascinating, in one experiment, people were asked to stabilize the roof of a Lego structure held up by a single block that rested atop a cube-shaped base. So if you can imagine, if you can picture this, like we'll just, just picture like a square, uh, you know, a bunch of Legos together, right, that form this square base that's like three mm -hmm. or four Legos high. And then you know how they got those thin pieces of Legos that can be like a roof, right? Yeah. So they put one block on top of that base that's yeah. completely symmetrical, and then they stuck the roof to the top of that one singular block. All right. Okay. And so they said, now you've got to stabilize this roof. And uh, the reward for completing the task was $1. And participants could add new blocks for 10 cents a piece or get rid of blocks for free. And the researchers wrote that one group was provided a cue about potential subtractive solutions by being told each piece that you add costs 10 cents, but removing pieces is free. While another group was just told each piece that you add costs 10 cents. So almost two thirds of the people in the queued group ended up choosing to eliminate this, just pull the single block off. Right. And put the roof on and it's completely stable, right? Yeah. As opposed to adding like nine or 10 new blocks to fill that out and stabilize mm -hmm. the roof or maybe three others if you're going to do the corners, right? Yeah. Something like that, which compared with, you know, 41% of the people who, who had not received the prompt. The researchers also observed that people are more likely to remove features when they were given more opportunities to consider alternative ways to address a problem. When participants were asked to create a symmetrical pattern by adding or eliminating colored blocks, they opted for removal more often if they were given practice trials than if they had just one chance to tackle the problem. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Like they learned subtractive was better after they did it a couple times, right? Mm -hmm. On the other hand, having to simultaneously juggle another task, such as keeping track of numbers on a screen while they were trying to solve this problem, made the individuals less likely to subtract elements to solve the same problem, suggesting that it requires more effort 
to think up subtractive solutions than additive ones. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much the article right there. But I thought, wow, that's really fascinating because I think about so many different situations, right? Oh, I yeah. think about um, – so I watched this video that was kind of attached to the article, and this guy was talking about uh, he, he and his son. His son was two and a half years old, and they were building this little Lego structure, and they had built – uh, for all intents and purposes, let's just call it like a Lego bridge, right? Uh-huh. So it's just basically two singular, um, um, let's just call them like uh, like a, a single stack of blocks, right? Just okay. a singular stack of blocks. One was four high, and then it had a, uh, something that went across to, to make the bridge part. And then on the other side, it was three high. Okay. And so he said, well, we needed to, you know, even out this bridge. So I went to go grab another block to add it. And my son, my two and a half year old son, just pulled the longer one off. (laughs) Yeah. Right. It seems so simple. But in terms of the way that we work our lives, I think about like one of the biggest lessons I learned in EQing when mixing is reductive EQing as opposed to additive EQing, mm-hmm. right? Too often we're like, oh, this sounds a little boomy, so it needs more high end. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to add more high end, right? And instead of lo- removing some of the low end frequencies or finding like you can do like super surgical EQ removals, right? And so I was taught to shorten that cue, right, to to make it like really, really tight. So you're not like removing a boatload of frequencies, but like more specific frequencies Uh and then actually jack it up really high so that you can listen and go find that frequency that's killing you. Right. That's that you don't like. And then once you find it, then you pull it out. Oh, and all of a sudden, voila, there's plenty of high end and there's plenty of low end, but it's not muddy because you removed the frequencies that were that were messy and then that sort of gets into the good mixes and understanding how to make room for everything right how to make room for the bass and then room for the guitar frequencies and room for the vocal frequencies and how that makes a really good mix as opposed to having everything with just the bombastic full spectrum of frequencies like like you know some of the guitar sounds then your favorite songs if you just listen to the guitar you'd be like (laughs) that doesn't sound good at all you know what i mean but and like yeah mutt lang does this a lot in the vocals like if you just pull out the because i got stems on a bunch of his mixes you pull out the guitars and they just sound like crap but then when you play the guitars with the bass it's clear that the guitar sound is borrowing the low end from the bass Hmm. and it fills it out and it just sounds heavier Right. But by itself, it's it's just it, it's just in there. Right. That's cool. And then I thought about on the same mixing tip here, I thought about the I watched this video with um, the engineer that worked with Prince on Purple Rain. Yeah. And she was talking about when doves cry. Uh huh. And she said, man, that track was so big. Right. We had so many different things on there. Like he just kept adding and adding and Mm -hmm. adding and adding and adding because I think he was just kind of playing around with these different arrangements and different ideas. Yeah. And it just got so big, it kind of got out of control. And then she said, you know, so I went home for the night and he was up all night and all he was doing was subtracting. Yeah. Just this and this and the horns and this and that and this and that and this. And then at the very end, he eliminates the bass. <laughs> he 
he eliminates the freaking bass guitar, right? And yeah. he just he just like nobody's gonna believe this, man. <laughs> and it worked, right? Wow. By eliminating the bass, that's like a, I think it's the only hit song ever that doesn't have a bass guitar on it. It's unbelievable, but it totally worked, right? He's so a, by, he was a genius, man. He was so good. Yeah, and by approaching that from a subtractive standpoint mm-hmm. all of a sudden it opens up all these other possibilities right oh dude and I, then, mean, I have so many about lyrics i, I yeah. was gonna ask you about that yeah oh for sure i mean i was i was working with a coaching client uh, just a couple days ago and they had this idea uh, to get this across and and i'm like what is the simplest way to to get into this story you know to get to say what we want to say what is the easiest way the most elegant simplest way to do this so we don't have to take up a bunch of time we don't have to make people think about it or do homework it's like how is the easiest way uh, one example on that and it's uh one that we wrote based off uh, a song titled challenge called never want to get that sober again that was uh-huh. uh, rick and buddy and brad i believe and so they brought me in to, to write on it and the whole thing was i've been sober for a while and my girl left me and dead gum i never want to get that sober again like i'm just here to party tonight kind of thing just you know it's dumb but like we have to explain why did he quit drinking to get Uh, where he had not he's been dry for a while how did he you know but it's like we don't want to do this big whole story of well just because of blah 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 and i did this and then that's the reason like we just need some simple elegant solution for why he quit drinking uh but now he's drinking again and it came yeah. down to this very simple line that we finally came up with. He said, I quit drinking because she quit drinking. Felt like a thousand days of whiskey and Coke. But wouldn't you know, she dumped me anyway. Or she left me anyway. <laughs> so I never want to get that sober again. Ended up being this really elegant, simple solution of, I quit drinking because she quit drinking. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it, it brought in we the relationship. Whole backstory. Yeah. No big old backstory. People understand that. Oh, my girl, my girl quit drinking for whatever reason. Doesn't matter. It's not important. So I quit drinking. And so you get like we're in a relationship. I did we're this for solidarity. Her. Solidarity. Yeah, yeah. That's why I quit drinking. Why? Because she quit drinking. Oh, all of a sudden, boom. Relationship and the reason you quit drinking. Super simple. Then what happened? And you know, it felt like a thousand days of whiskey of. Uh, Something of it wasn't whiskey and coke. Felt like days of water and coke. You know, uh-huh. wouldn't you know? She left me anyway. No, I never <laughs> want to get that sober again. And so we had to work to find that very elegant, simple solution of not. We don't need a big backstory. No, this is not. For one thing, the song was not about that. It was yeah. just. It wasn't about the story about why he quit drinking and why he's starting again. It's just about the fact that I'm ready to ha- go have a drink. Yeah. Is really what it was about. And so that happens a lot with writing. Like, what is the simplest way to get there? It's really a story about, like, I, you know, I did all this for this girl. Yeah. Something that maybe I wouldn't normally do, but I went over the, you yeah. know, over the, over the top to try to, you know, go to see things from her point of view and do things. And I, and I still got dumped. Yeah. So now I'm just going to be me. It's, it's yeah. like a little bit of that. And, and so, I mean, there are all these beautiful little things that made the guy more likable. You know, he was supporting his girl, like you said, solidarity and all this stuff. And but ultimately, it's just a fun, silly song. But it was a challenge to find that simple solution of not using a whole verse or something to explain this whole complicated rigmarole of why he quit drinking. But then he, you know, he didn't want anything too heavy. He didn't want anything too, you know, it was all this. And we finally found it. I feel like, and 
So, the, yeah, that's a big thing with writing. Like, what is the simplest way to get into this? Because a lot of times we will write the backstory, which is fine to have, but we put it on the page, which a lot of times we don't need the whole backstory, all the reasoning. It's like, what is the simplest reason and way to say, you know, we broke up, but we're back together again? Like, what's the simplest way? You moved away and you're back, thank God. I think that's a lot of, a lot, you know, a lot of songs that do that stuff well, it's a lot of what do we leave out. A lot of writing is erasing. It's leaving yeah. out the unnecessary parts. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah. So how do you apply that to your career? Right. Mm -hmm. um, in this article in Digital Music News, it, it was it was sort of had this approach of it's you've got two choices. It's either hell yeah or no. Yep. Right. It can't be yes. Like if it's like, yeah, yeah, I could do that. No. Nah, then the yeah. answer is no. Yeah. Unless it's hell yes. Unless like I remember uh, when I was younger, and I, I could still smell yeah, i don't smell very good anymore right like i've had mm -hmm. horrible sinuses my whole life and since literally since i was in my team i remember like i can remember being able to smell diesel fuel from the buses at a concert and yeah. that used to make my nipples hard you know and i was like <laughs> oh this is that's how bad yeah from right from the get-go that i wanted to go on the road you know yeah. That I want, like, that was something that I just, it was going to happen one way or the other, come hell or high water. And uh, if you, so that's a hell yeah, yeah, you know, I think as artists and, and writers, you know, we see something, right. And we're like, oh, this artist is touring. So I got a tour or this, uh, this artist is all over TikTok. So I got to be over TikTok. And mm -hmm. sometimes it gets overwhelming because we keep like adding these things that we're supposed to be doing. Mm -hmm. But maybe there's things that you don't need to be doing, right? Like if yeah. it's not in your kind of lane, like what's your lane? There's, there's certainly uh, we just talked about Bill Hanlon, we, you know, getting some stuff synced. So maybe that's it. So you need to be spending more time at your highest and best use, which is creating music and 
working on sync relationships and library stuff and trying to make that happen as opposed to going on tour. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of artists during COVID that couldn't tour and were making and straight up making seven figures on YouTube. Yeah. Making more money doing that than they were touring. I'm not saying don't tour, but I'm saying like, unless you have, don't take it for granted. Yeah. And well, don't take it for, but if it's, if it's not a burning desire, Mm-hmm. Which which has to because there's a lot of there's you know and we're using touring as one example there's a million examples here uh, of things that an artist does in their career and and what they're trying to accomplish but if you if you aren't pre- willing to sacrifice all that then it's really not worth it yeah I don't care who you are you spend too much time away in a relationship and it just is not good. Yeah. For the relationship and and earlier in a career is not going to be you're not going to be Tom Petty bringing the fam out on the on the bus right. on the tour. You yeah. know what I mean, like that's probably not going to happen in the beginning. So what can you eliminate? What's what's not working for you right now? Mm-hmm. We've stopped basically addressing Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our, as a company, we used to, to do that with artists, you know, six, seven years ago. And then it just kind of became. Not the juice wasn't worth the squeeze. So now we don't purport to tell anybody that, hey, you know, we're going to handle your Twitter account, too. No, we don't do that. Yeah. Now we have added TikTok because TikTok's breaking artists. Right. So you're picking and choosing like where you're going to spend your time and what you're going to be what you're going to be learning. And I think sometimes if you. You know, how do you approach it that way? Like, what can you eliminate? And, and, And you come from that perspective it's it's good to know it's good to clean things up i think it cleans up your spirit too and the cobwebs in your head every this is a a, something that uh, financial people say you should do every single year i don't think i've had to think about it because somehow like my card gets jacked from target or something like that and you get this letter like your your stuff's been compromised and blah 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 and so the bank just like issues me a new card well then I have to, I'm forced to go through because mm-hmm. everybody's pinging me because the monthly payments do and it's not going through and I have to put the new card in there and then I get to decide like, do oh, I, I need that? Yeah. 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 No. Okay. Gone. And, and, and cause you forget about stuff. And I think it's that way uh, with your life too. Sometimes a more simplistic approach is a better approach. Maybe, maybe the way that you're touring, like your vision of touring is like, let's go out and see the world. Awesome. But maybe what you need to be doing right now is just everything you can to make your current market a moneymaker. Yeah. How do you go from like what we did with the Lonely Highway Boys? You know, how do we go from uh, getting them $1,200 a night at their hometown bar up to three grand a night? Yeah. We did that. Okay. And now all of a sudden, they can make a little bit more money and make their way up to they're from Jacksonville. They can go to Savannah now and afford to lose money in Savannah to work on that market until they can build it up and turn that into a money maker. Yeah. But instead of trying to conquer the whole world. Right. Uh, and, and so, I mean, we talk about this too, this kind of, I just thought about this, but like with digital marketing, that's one of the b- benefits of digital marketing. When you do broadcast marketing, when you're trying to do radio single, you have to go coast to coast. You have to eat the whole elephant every single time you sit down because every spin counts to get you that coveted chart position yeah. that used to mean so much. Okay. But even if it, even if it did mean so much, it is inefficient because 
you're having to get to places where I guaranteed they just don't care about the artist. Yeah. And even to pay to work that too. Yeah. Right. Um, it's a fact that when Sammy Hagar joined Van Halen, he, he hardly sold. He was a, I mean, a multi-platinum Ferrari driving full fledged rock star. And uh, nobody cared about him in St. Louis. Like he yeah. just never sold records in St. Louis. It's just weird. Right. That's the way Cody Jinx did it. He just would be like, okay, these markets here, they love Cody Jinx. Mm -hmm. So let's put some more money into these markets and grow yeah. these up. So those people in those markets, all they, they think that guy is like a legitimate straight up friggin' arena rock star. Yeah. Yeah. And he's not nationwide, but they think he is because that's the experience that they have. So by subtracting the whole coast to coast thing and just trying to focus on, Hey, here, all of a sudden it's way less expensive. Oh yeah. To, to develop that market that, and, and it's a way quicker return on the investment where you're making more money in that market. And then you can kind of go into concentric circles, but that's through subtraction. And so, Hey, if I don't want to go nationwide, then don't do broadcast, do digital. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden it becomes a chat. It's interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. Yeah. Makes sense. I mean, I'm, so when we were, you're doing your intro, I ran over to my bookshelf to get a couple books. And so these are by Greg McEwen. One is called mm -hmm. Essentialism, The oh, Disciplined yep. Pursuit of Less. Yes. And the other one is called Effortless, Make It Easier to Do What Matters Most. Now, I've read Essentialism, and I've gone back through it. There's highlights and stuff all in. I haven't gotten to Effortless yet. My sister sent it to me, and it's in the stack to get to because uh, I thought Essentialism was so good. Uh, books like that, books called The One Thing, I think by Greg Keller of Keller Williams mm -hmm. Realty. It's basically it's Essentialism. Essentialism isn't about getting more done in less time. It's about getting only the right things done. Yeah. And yeah. that's that's what it is. It's the four-hour work week. It's the one thing. It's the power of less. It's minimalism. It's, yeah. Yep. What's a minimum effective dose? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> What's right. the 80-20? You know, I've done that before. What's the 80-20 of I get 80% of my results from 20% of my work? Yep. Let's take the time. Which part is that's subtracting? I'm gonna create some margin. So I'm gonna subtract some things this week, some co-writes, some whatever studio time to think about where do I get my results, and I'm gonna pinpoint yeah. those. And then it says, okay, then you start putting eighty percent of your effort into those twenty percent things that are already getting you return on investment, right? So I go, yeah, the oh my goodness, return. my co-writes with these people. Something good always happens. Like we get a demo, we get a pitch, we get a hole, we get a cut with something, you know, whereas all these other people are right with, we may like it, but man, we never even, I barely get work tapes out of it. It's a great hang, but it's not getting the, I mean, I, I was telling one of my interns the other day, I, I really like years ago, um, I really geeked out on like some spreadsheet stuff and started doing that with co-writes going, what's my 80, 20 of my co-writes? Like, you know, listed all the people I've been writing with. I developed like a statistical analysis of my co-writes. Yeah. Nice. Business school. You moneyballed that stuff. I did. I did. <laughs> and this was before Moneyball came out, right? Or at least before I knew about it years ago. And it was like, okay, here's a co-writer. Here's, you know, and I, I started adding weights to everything. Like, you know, you get so many points for finishing the song, so many points for work tape, whatever. Or I might have just skipped that and said, you know, how many songs have we gotten? Okay. And how many are demoed? How many are actively pitched? that I know of how many 
you know, has it been on hold? Has it gotten cut? Is the artist in a band? Like, what are these things that kind of up their value? And then basically did, I can't remember what the math was on it now, but I, I developed a formula that I put in the Excel spreadsheet. So it'd pop out a score for each co-writer mm. and going, oh my gosh, I've only written like two songs with this person, but we've gotten them both on hold. Why am I not writing with that person more? You yeah. know, or yeah. here I've written 50 songs with this person and we've gotten you know, some demos, but not even a hold on anybody. Okay. Well, let me look at that. You know, like that's a lot of juice or a lot of squeeze for not much juice. Whereas this person I'm getting results with, I didn't even notice it. Like had a, so it's a way to kind of step back and go, where am I actually getting stuff? Like, do I need to prune? Yeah. And really focus on where I'm getting results. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talked about Seth Godin before in the podcast mm-hmm. and, that's that's what he talks about in permission marketing, right? This book was released in 1999, by the way, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy. That's 20 some years ago, 22 uh, years ago, 23 years ago. And he talks about the one to one. He's basically talking about how to tell corporations to shepherd them over to honoring the digital platform. Mm -hmm. And he specifically talks about the concepts behind broadcast marketing. And he uses um, Procter and Gamble as an example. Their first product is ivory soap that came out in 1823. Mm, Yeah. First product ever invented to replace homemade soap. So next year, that's a 200 year old company. Procter and Gamble. Yeah. Right. And so the advertising, the method is just more advertising means more, product sales and Mm -hmm. it's been that way for decades until the internet came out and all of a sudden now we're seeing so many ads every day that our brain shuts it out so they are in this catch-22 right so the more money they spend on ads the less the ads work the less the ads work the more money they spend because Mm -hmm. that's the only approach that they have it's this vicious cycle that's not efficient and so what are they doing they're adding more ads and they're getting less money, and right, then they're yeah. adding more ads on top of that to get Spend less more to money. Make less, yeah, I, I, exactly. And instead, he's saying to you made me think of this when you said you talked about Pareto's law with the eighty twenty. This is a this is a fact for every corporation that exists. Eighty percent of the corporate revenue comes from twenty percent of their cl- customers. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, instead of spraying and praying on broadcast, where our only judge on whether or not it's working is is the product sales, but we don't know who the customer is. Mm-hmm. Let's go do some things to get to find out who the twenty percent of the customers are that are the these are the people going to lie down in traffic for our brand, or in the case of um, Procter and Gamble, our brands because they're mm-hmm. a conglomerate, right? And and who are those people? Let's get to know them. Let's get their email addresses and figure out how to better serve them and sell them more stuff and forsake the 80% of the of the customers that we have that only create 20% of the revenue. Yeah. That's a whole lot of work in customer service. That's a whole lot of work in distribution. That's a whole lot of extra staff. It's just fat, 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 fat. Yeah, and most and, of your problems, and- 80% of your problems – Come from 20% right of your customers too. You know, there your customer you service issues, unhappiness, complaints, all that. Most 80% of that generally comes from like 20% of the customers too. <laughs> there you go. By the way, one of my best uh, lessons I learned in business from, from David Jackson's Evertronics was like, you know, sometimes it's better to let 
a customer go to your competition. Yeah. <laughs> Fire your customers. They, I think you should go there. They're going to treat you better. You know what I yeah. mean? They become their problem and let them worry about it. And you're, you're, you're done with, with, with the issue. And yeah. the whole thing, you know? Uh, yeah. I think about that in terms of like your staff. I mean, in terms of your, um, in terms of talking to business people, like I've got a big investor meeting coming up here today. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I am going in my head, I am going through just subtraction, 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 because as you know, I like to talk. <laughs> no. And, and, and the less that I can talk and say more, right? Yes. Doing the live sort of communication version of what you did in that song lyric. Mm-hmm. Uh, I never want to be this sober again, but trying to bring awareness to that in my head so that I don't blow him away and, and muddle him down with information. Exactly. And yeah. just kind of like, hey, man, here it's money ball for the music industry. Let's just start with that. Yeah. You, you like baseball? Yeah, it's money ball for the music industry. Oh, go on. you know what i mean and maybe the second date is where the numbers come in and where he gets blown away with that but i'm thinking less is more less is more less is more it's an elevator pitch kind of thing it's yeah it's die hard on a boat oh got it yeah there you go and so you know from from a from a listener point of view right a climber point of view like when you're what's your next meeting what are you trying to get into and then what are you going to how are you going to communicate? How are you going to put that across? What can you eliminate? Mm-hmm. It's not necessary to do that. Remember we talked about Mackenzie O'Brien, that artist that I worked with, yeah. when she got the gig opening for um, Parker McCollum mm-hmm. up in Chicago. It's a sold-out show. This is a coveted direct support slot that she got because the club owner really believes in her. And uh, it's not often that he gets to club owner gets to do that. Right. Where mm-hmm. it's usually the, the act's going to come in with the support on the tour. In this case, it was a, a unique sort of situation where they needed a support act and the club owner's like, I got, I got the artist to do yeah. it, you know? And so as artists, when you get something like that, you get a slot like that. Your first, and this is so I learned this from Tom Jackson. Your first thought is, We've got 40 minutes in front of a sold out crowd. Mm-hmm. How many songs can we pack in right. to that 40 minutes? And maybe, maybe if we play them a little faster, we can squeeze in an extra one. You and know what I mean? Anybody just- ever left a show and said, they, you know, they might be like, they played for eight hours. That was amazing. You know, Springsteen just never stopped. But nobody's going, they played 45 songs. They played seven songs. Yeah. Like, no, it's moments you remember, not the It's the moments. moments. And so less is more. Like less songs, more moments, yeah. right? And and what can you do to get them to sing along with you, right? Which is why. So that's where we were coming from. It was very much of a subtractive approach to a live performance, to live show production. Hey, you know, like, Super Bowl's coming up or it just happened. Uh, the winning team. That's no, coming up. <laughs> yeah, well, by the time of this airs, it, it just happened. Oh, right, right, so, right. I guarantee the winning team is not chosen by how many yards they gained or how many plays they ran. It's how yeah. many points they scored. Yeah. So, are you judging by how many plays you can run? I'd really be thinking about how many touchdowns I can score. Exactly. Exactly. And scoring, like in this case, scoring touchdown with the audience, right? Exactly. Where she chose, she had, you know, she was going back and forth between this big Cranberry song, which was a huge, huge hit song, mm-hmm. but not, not even within the Cranberries, like 
uh, catalog of hit songs, not the most singable. Yeah. You know, not like Zombie. Yeah. I mean, I, I was just, I just asked, I said, why, out of, if you're going to do Cranberries, why wouldn't you choose Zombie? Well, this one is a pretty big hit. I couldn't even remember the damn song. And then I looked it up and she was right. It's a huge hit. Yeah. But I said, you know what? Let's get something they can sing along to. And she goes, well, I was thinking about maybe doing Dreams from Fleetwood Mac. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's your boy right there. Yeah. Do that. And started out a cappella. Change, mm-hmm. change it up. Right? Like, so again, w- starting out, she started out the set a cappella. Bold. And she, and she started out that song, Dreams, by Fleetwood Mac. The cover they did, a cappella. What is a cappella? Less. Less, yeah. Less. There's no music. It's just her standing up in front of there, being vulnerable. You know, thunder only happens when it's raining. Everybody's like, oh. <laughs> yeah. And you got their attention, be- not because it's louder. Right. Not because there's more instruments or it's more sophisticated, but because you took everything else away and said, listen to me, just by simply subtracting right yeah. i mean wow how can we subtract in our lives that's all i gotta say about that guys i think um i i, I want to get everybody thinking like that like like how do you simplify how in your live show in your mixes in your um in your um i mean some of the mixed doctrines around town mm-hmm. you know if it's not featured mute it yeah like <laughs> it's like just make a bunch of room for that you know yeah. uh one final thought on mixes like one of the this is the brilliance of, of mutt lang but go i encourage everybody to go listen to and i don't care if you don't like this band or you don't like rock and roll but go listen to bringing on the heartbreak by Def leopard yeah okay and it's a it's a very heavy power power ballad right yeah and in the chorus the guitars aren't playing any chords. Mm-hmm. They're just playing a single note, and both guitars are in unison playing a single note. Right? So it's down, 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 a single note, not a chord, yeah. a single solitary note that is stacked right because it's there's two guitars True. doing it they tripled it on the recording so yeah. it's it's nice and fat and round but it's not a chord and what takes up all that space where those guitars are those harmonies yeah bring it on the hop and when you listen to that because you feel like it's just so heavy yeah and even as a musician and even as somebody who's savvy with the mix to go back and just re-listen to that chorus and you're like huh. <laughs> it's like wow it's a guitar Listen vocal. To that. It's a freaking guitar vocal with some drums and bass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just so simple, but he makes room. He just subtracts out all the mucky muck. Yeah. I'm going to put this through and melt your face. I mean, yeah. that is the power. It's of like that. some of the, you know, the three piece bands, you know, or some yeah. say, you know, yeah. How, I mean, Nirvana, anybody? Yeah. Was that big? Yeah. And you had yep. guitar. Bass and drums, you know, for most yeah. of it, you know, for a lot of that, especially the early stuff. It's like you don't need the thousand piece band to make it big. You just need the right things at the right time. Yep. And, you know, that, okay, one level deeper, I remember listening to interviews with Dave Grohl about Nirvana, and they were specifically talking, and I've heard this interview, I've heard the same, these same answers from lots of different interviews. Uh, uh, 
um, Joe Elliott from Def Leppard said the same thing when they're doing these records and they're talking about drum fills, mm-hmm. right? Now, as a young drummer, whew, you more want more. you want as many notes. Yeah, like, let's do just quad drum yeah. fills and and then you know Joe Elliott's like, yeah, so we just eliminated all the mucky muck and did this simple and then jave girl same thing beep beep and beep beep yeah you know yeah snare kick snare snare kick yeah symbol crash you know yeah. simple 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 because it it first of all they understand it better yeah they feel that groove better it also translates better live in an arena which is where they were headed mm. but that's all intention of again simplistic and I, you know, I, I saw, I told you I saw um, uh, Cheap Trick live at that, uh, at that huge festival that we were at down in yeah. Key West. And man, that's Bunny Carlos, bro. Just like listen to Bunny Carlos's drums. Like it's just so freaking simple. It's just so simple and it's groove, you know, mm-hmm. ACDC, same thing. Doof, gah, doof. Gah, uh. That's it, baby. There's no ride cymbals in an ACDC song. Huh. Like if, if you, Brian Johnson walked into your band rehearsal and was going to produce you, the first thing you do is walk over to the drummer and just take the, the ride cymbal and smash it against the wall. You don't need this. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, shh, gah, Just simple. Make space for the guitars. The drum arrangement makes space. You know, it's all, it's just subtraction, subtraction, subtraction. Yes. So there you go. That's all we got to say about that. So guys, um, listen, get your head straight about how to, Talk about subtraction. Let's subtract the the curse that you have because you've been marketed to your whole life on broadcast platforms. And so you're trying to reverse engineer that as any intelligent human being would do to try to promote your own career. And But the, the thing is you're relegated to digital. So you're trying to take some broadcast tactics and you're trying to apply them to digital and it's not working. I can help you straighten that out with this free download that's called Whoever Owns the Traffic Rules the Road. And it just will help you untie everything that you've been taught about broadcast and really make you understand digital so that you can uh, be approaching your uh, promotion by honoring the digital platform. That's the key. Just go to giftfromjohnny.com, J-O-H-N-N-Y, giftfromjohnny.com, and tell me where to send it. This podcast exists because we want you to win, so keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. 
Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 